I want, I want you to get your notes out, get your Bibles out. There's so much. I mean, I, there was so much in my heart today. It was, it was hard to prepare uh, so much. And I'm, I am looking forward, by the way, to next Sunday. And again, Diana made that mention, made mention of what I'm going to be doing next Sunday at 6 o'clock. We're inviting couples. I have a, 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 just a word to bless couples with. And at 6 o'clock, we're going to also be doing vow renewal. So one at a time, I'll be bringing couples stand up here, and uh, we will we'll bless you. So I, I know it's at 6 o'clock, so uh, we, we're not going to spend a lot of time because some of you are going to want to run right out of here and take your sweetheart to dinner, all right? And so uh, I might have some gifts for people, too. I don't know. I might. You know me. So... Uh, anybody married in the room? Anybody married? Anybody? All right. All right. So see you next Sunday. No, no, no. You're, not you. Okay. But maybe some of you. I'll see. Okay. All right. Drag that man up here. All right. Pray for Lynn. All right. Will you? So get your Bibles. Let's get into the word. Uh, look at the people around you. And uh, tell them we are family. Would you do it? Tell them we are family. You might not even know everybody's name. Do you realize that you have people that you're related to that you may not know their name? Did you know that? I did that cute little DNA test. And uh, some time ago, my daughter asked me to do that. Found out things about myself I did not know. Uh, And then found out... I, I keep getting these... Uh, come, the, these people who are saying they're my relatives and they look at their DNA, come to find out we are related, all right? And it's in the DNA. So anybody believe in spiritual DNA? Do you believe in spiritual DNA? We, I, I believe the spiritual DNA is real. I do. And we, have, we, we, are, we are family. We are related. And, and as a family, we're talking about freedom family moving forward. As a family, we need to move forward. And this forward statement is Joshua 24, 15, one that you are familiar with. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You need to say it. Go ahead. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I like forward statements. I like, uh, I found a few, you might know them. One is, life is like riding a bicycle. To keep your balance, you've got to keep moving forward. Here's another one. You can't expect to move forward if your emergency brake is on. Whoa. And, and if you're not moving forward, you're falling back. And then Martin Luther King Jr. If you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. I say, well, I'm not moving like other people. Well, as a family... We need to join arms somehow. We need to join together and we got to move forward. Joshua 24, 15 is one of my favorite verses. I love the story with it and I love the quote. Uh, It is interesting that this statement is kind of unique because he's saying it just before he dies. So he's saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord And then, a few days later, uh, he's going to pass. 
He's 110 years old when he does pass, and he's still bold enough to stand up before everyone. And you can almost see him pointing his finger out at everybody. And everybody, as for me and my house, it's not like as for me and my house, we will. No, it's in your face. As for me and my, say it with me. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I love the scripture. Anybody like me, you have it hanging over your door? I have it hanging over my door at my house. A funny thing is, what's that? It's hanging on the wall outside. Yes, it is. It's, uh, I hung it up there, as a matter of fact. So, <laughs> Funny thing is, it's hanging on the door of my house, and Diane and I are the only two that live there, that dwell in the house. So I guess, am I just saying it for Diane and I? I, I like to think that it's a, a bit more far-reaching than that. Sometimes we struggle preaching on family in the church, and the, the reason is, is because we're so diverse. You know, for my family, for, my, for Diana and I, for our extended family, you know, every day I pray, God, you know, bless you know, Lauren and Felicia and Malachi and Preston and Lindsay and Evelyn. I mean, it just kind of flows out that way. God bless our church, bless our church family. I call some of your names out. I pray that constantly. It's not like I have to think about who they are because they're all, you're already in my heart. You rest there. And when I, but when I say family, some people kind of get lost. And you might, you know, because we're moms, we're dads, we're grandpas and grandmas, and we're married couples with kids, we're married couples without kids, we're single moms, single dads with some kids, we're married without kids, we're kids who don't know who their parents are, where people are trying to figure it out because when you say family, your brokenness just all shows up. Here comes your pastor preaching on that scripture. You think, oh no, he's going to start talk about husbands and wives and children. Yes, I am, but I'm talking about all of you, all right? I'm, you know, in my good Virginian, I'm talking about all y'all, all right? Just all of us, we are family. And I'm saying this as your pastor. I'm saying this from a paternal position. From a, as a leader, I'm saying this to you. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's attitude. I can feel it as a, as a pastor. No, we're going to serve the Lord. You say, well, pastor, you don't know my life. But you will serve the Lord. You will not always stay in the mess that you are in right now. Because you're part of this family and grace touched you. And the almighty hand of God is reaching toward you. And you're frustrated the way you're living right now. You're coming back. You just haven't confessed that yet. When he calls out, his house. It's a deeper word for, this is not just a brick and mortar thing here. It's all, of, it's all of those who are connected to your heart. That's actually the statement when he says, my house. It's a heart statement in a word study. You hear that he's not talking about anybody that was born into my family. He's talking about all of you that are connected with my heart. I've got some folk in this room and some folk online, some folk that aren't listening, that have dropped out. You're still in my heart. And I'm saying in the spirit, I'm calling out to you. You will, you will, your will is going to shift back to who you truly are. Your, your children, your wife, 
Your husband, they may be broken right now. They may be away. They may not be paying attention, but I'm calling them out. I'm calling them out of their history. I'm reaching into their heart, and I'm saying in the name of Jesus, you're coming back. You will serve the Lord. Because my house is not just my house. My house is God's house. Another scripture that you might remember is in Psalm 127 and 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. I carefully I love the context of this because if you carefully look at this, it might well be translated where, where at the opening where it says unless, that word itself might be better translated as if. And then you, it's, it comes out like this. If the Lord isn't building the house, the work is futile. If the Lord isn't building the house, you're just wasting your time. Joshua is saying, my house is the Lord's house. My home is his house. Everything that I have is his house. All that is in my hands, everything that I'm a steward of is for the cause of the Lord. He's he's saying, and if you're connected to me, if you call me daddy, if you call me leader, we are going to serve the Lord because this house is his house. But it's even deeper than this. If you read the first part, the first few verses, back in verse 15 of Joshua 24, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, if you read prior uh, to, to that Joshua 24, you know that Joshua actually calls out the names of the nations that the Israelites had contended with during the conquest of the promised land. He calls them out. He calls them out. And then, and then here in verse 15, he calls out their gods and their idols. Joshua doesn't care. He doesn't care about their feelings or their messages. He's saying... You have been serving false gods. And you need to make a decision today and recognize that those false gods are not real gods. They are fake gods. They are demonic forces. And their way of worshiping these gods had placed them in direct conflict with Yahweh. Sometimes we think we're just sinning when... We practice when we participate in the brokenness of our culture. I'm just, you know, I'm just failing God. I'm just making a mistake. But really what we are doing is choosing other gods to worship rather than the one true and living. No, I just made a mistake. No, you bow down to, you bow down to demons. I'm preaching the truth to somebody. You, you bow down to false gods, lying spirits that tell you that they are better than the God that your granddaddy had. Better, come on, better than the God Pastor Rick was preaching about. You bowed down. You surrendered your will to them because now you're cooler. You're more accurate. You fit in better. You, you accommodated them. We accept them as our own. We literally... Anybody used to serve a false god on your journey? Anybody used to? You literally serve those gods. But Joshua says, 
as for me and my house, we will serve literally the one true God, Yahweh, Yehovah, the self-existent or eternal one true and living God, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I like that. I did not get here by myself. I didn't. You know, I throw names out. I I thank God for Lucy and Richard and Tilda and Nanny and Mary and Mary and John Hyatt and Marvin and Mary Hawker and Paul and Eleanor Davis and Grant and Ida Davis. I, I thank God for names like that in my past. But not only them, I thank God for others in my life, individuals who served God, who I sat under their ministry and under their leadership, not just them, brothers and sisters who helped me, corrected me, prayed for me, held on to to me. I'm, I'm glad. You know, the, the God who saved my grandma, my great-grandma also saved me. The God who saved my daddy also saved me. He's the God who rescued me. The God who saved your grandma also is the one who rescued you, picked you up out of the pit, gave you a family that you have today. Yes, you haven't spoken to the Lord in a while. Yes, you're living. You're not. You're, you're just living for him on a Sunday, but he is still the Lord. And Joshua says, you will serve the Lord. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Means more than just cutting the grass. Means more than just showing up on a, a day or two. Literally, it means to serve is to bind yourself to him. Amen. You will bind yourself to him out of love. Listen, people, people are failing miserably and Christian homes are failing. I know this because I keep track and fight for homes and families constantly. But God wants us as a family to move forward. Don't think just because you are pleasing and getting along with everyone in the culture that your house is God's house. Did I say that right? Well, you know, I, I ain't argue with anybody. You know, I... You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hating anybody. You know, I, listen, just because you have the, the lingo of the culture doesn't mean that you know the God that I serve. Stop pushing him to the side in order that you can fit in. Our personal families, many of them I've seen are dying. Our, our children are depressed. Our morality has been lost in the name of misappropriated compassion. That jumped in my heart this week. Misappropriated compassion. Misplaced compassion. You know, you probably heard years ago when uh, our daughter was in high school, uh, she was running for class office and she wrote a speech and she finished that speech with these words, uh, God bless you and God bless our class. And... Uh, she had to have, she wrote the speech and gave it to the coordinator, the director of the school, and they sent it back to her and they crossed out all the God bless you's and said, you can't say God bless you in a speech in the school. And, and she was very frustrated. She called and, and, uh, I, I, but I want you to understand before I end up sounding like a hero, I just went to the school and sat down with them and explained that they had a couple of choices that they really needed to make. And one was whether or not they were going to re-allow her to say that or whether or not I was going to have to contact an attorney. 
And uh, because, you know, and I, I know that was big words for a, you know, young, silly little preacher like myself, but I just thought how, what was going on? And their, their explanation was this, saying God bless you might offend someone. We, I call that misappropriated compassion, misplaced compassion. When you think, when you think it's compassion, but it's not. The right thing to do is to remind people of the God that you serve and the name of God. Don't be quiet so that people can die comfortably and deceived in their sins and end up eternally lost. That's misappropriated compassion. It was brutally wrong. And, 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 and don't, just, don't just be that individual. What we're building it's not our house. It's God's house. And I'm saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. So my question is, how do we apply this as we move our families forward in 2021? We've come so far as a church, but, but hear me. We've come through so much deliverance, so much freedom, but there is more to be done. You say, well, I'm so glad we have arrived we ain't there yet. We're still in the journey. How do we raise our families in a pagan culture? There was a time when you didn't have to ask that question. Because we live in a culture which is not, is not a culture that just serves one God. It was declared... It was declared in past administrations, we are no longer a Christian nation. I, I listen, I've listened to individuals in our government actually make statements that we now need to focus on minority religions, meaning we need to focus on other religions that are not believing in the one true and living God. Uh, am, I, am I okay up here? Am I not fitting in? Am I going to get a hate speech? I'm going to keep preaching this. You see, this is not the first time we have had to answer this question. This is, this is the way it is. The Israelites, as they conquered Canaan land, which is why Joshua was saying this, you have been impacted by many false gods. The Israelites, as they conquered Canaan land, but also the New Testament church. How do we do this? The Lord wasn't unaware that you would be serving him when it has become less and less popular to serve him. And so he's clear about what it takes to make it in this world. So what do we do? How do we raise our families in a pagan culture? One, you got to do the Shema. Anybody know how to dance in the house? Anybody know? Anybody do the Shema? You don't know what the Shema is. Okay. So the Shema is something that if you are Jewish, you know what I'm talking about. It is Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Just say that with me. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. That's my best 
Hebrew, okay? All right. It is what you say every morning when you wake up and every night before you go to bed. Listen, everyone. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. No, let's practice. Listen, everyone. Say it. Listen, everyone. No, no, you got to say it so people can hear. Listen, everyone. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. Everyone. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. Adonai. Eloheinu. Adonai. Echad. The Lord is one. The name given to Jacob, who wrestled with an angel. The Lord, Yahweh. Listen, all of you who are wrestling with God, that powerful voice that pervades the universe, that place the, the, the stars in the sky that causes the sun to rise and the rain to fall and the crops to grow and the earth uh, to turn and the seasons to change, the force behind it all that is and has been and will be to come, that is my God. And the reason that there is breath in my lungs and why we live and breathe and have our being is because, listen everyone, the Lord is our God. So don't rise up or lie down without saying it. Don't get up in the morning. Anybody had a hard time getting up? Before you get up in the morning, shout it. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. Don't stop saying it lest you begin to think that you are God. And your children believe that they are somehow entitled to the stars at night and to the ocean waves. Oh, those are mine. This is my house. This is where I live. And this is my money. And my No, it all belongs to God. The Lord is our God. And we need to declare it. We ought to join with our Jewish brothers and make this a declaration as is commanded by Scripture. Because... We live in a world that has forgotten who the one true and living God is. And we are far too silent about it. I'm going to say that again. We are far too careful about it. We've been silent in our homes so much that our children barely know that we are actually believers. Our children know so many other things about us, but they don't know these truths. So we should also not only know this, but we should continue with the commandment of verse 5 and 7. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. So the Lord, our God, is one God. Come on. And we should should take his word and we should hold it close. Look, I'm saying... That that this is the greatest commandment. I am fully devoted to God, and my life will show it. And specifically, I am I am determined to walk out His righteousness in the Old Testament. To walk in purity without murder, not as a thief, not in adultery, not in deception, not cheating, committing myself to worship him right out of my heart. I'm going to live for him. 
Jesus. You Let me ask you, are you the same person in the limelight as you are in candlelight? You know, when you're out in front at church, are you, because we need to be saying who we are on Monday. Yes, yes. I asked, I've asked people before, so are you a Christian? Well, I went to church Sunday. Well, if you can't tell me you're a Christian on Monday, you need to get with the house. Help me preach today, somebody. We, we were singing this last Wednesday, my affection, my devotion, Poured out on the feet of Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. All of my affection. And folks, this is not just emotion here. Uh, you, we need to love God more than our emotion, okay? Well, do you, I don't feel God. I, well, okay, maybe you don't feel him. Doesn't mean he's not there because he's God and he's always there. So I'm not going to serve God just because I'm emotional. I'm going to serve God because I have decided to follow Jesus and there's no turning back. This brief description covers virtually every part of our day. God is saying that no matter what we do, no matter what we say, no matter what comes into our life, every day we should be reflecting the mind of God in our life, in our speech, and in our attitude. In addition to that, we must reinforce our example by teaching the children verbally. Well, that's their job upstairs. No, we need to teach the next generation. And you're saying, Pastor, now you miss me because I don't have any kids. You, these are your children. Come on. We're brothers and we're sisters. These are your kids. Come on. I, you're my son. I get to call you son and daughter on occasion because I'm at that point. I have risen to that place in my life. I get to look at you and say, so good to see you, son. I love you. And I'm not, that should be affectionate. And I should say, hey, do you know this about God's word? How are you doing? How is your life right now? How can you rise up? Do you know that the Lord that we serve is the one true and living God? Do you know the truth of God's word? Is there, is there any Bible verses that you can share with me? Anything that you have buried in your heart? Jesus, daily declare your devotion to God. Come on, do, can you do the Shema? Can you do it? Can you do, are you doing the Shema? Are you doing it? Say, I don't know about pastor, but I do this. Do you do the Shema in your daily life? Do you get up declaring Jesus? When you walk down the road, are you declaring him as the Lord? When you meet somebody that's broken, do you put God in your hip pocket? Or do you say, no, the Lord, my God, is one God. Daily declare your devotion to the Lord. Love God actively through your constant obedience to his word. Keep the word of God on your heart and in your hands and teach the children. So I'm not sure. I'm not good with kids. Teach them anyway. I tell you, and I'm, I'm at this point in my life, and my youngest granddaughter is three. And I'm thinking how my world has changed in the last 20 years. And I'm thinking she'll be 23 in 20 years, right in the middle of how many believe our next generation needs to know who God is? Anybody believe that? And if they don't, if we just accept, well, you know, they're just being themselves and you be you. No, I don't want to just be me. I want to be who God made me. I want my flesh to die and the spirit of God to rise up in my life. 
These are the words of God. That's what we learned in Sunday school when we were babies. That's what we know. Hopefully that's what we learned at the knee of our spiritual family. Constantly talk. Teach the word of God to your children. When you're sitting around the house, when you're taking a trip, before they go to bed and when they rise, make it a priority to do all you can. Sing songs of Zion to them. Teach, pray, talk, read, memorize. Some of you know songs your kids haven't ever heard. And they'll say, well, you're just old. You know those old songs. Yes, I know old songs. Let me teach you a few old songs. I'm redeemed by love divine glory glory christ is mine all to him i now resign i have been redeemed love lifted me love lifted me when nothing else could help low like hymns but even just choruses that you know sing them fill your house with the songs of god do the shiva do the Shema. Fill your house, your car, your life. When you're taking a trip down the road, give them all of your testimonies. Tell them all of the stories of your faith. Tell them about your great-grandparents and how they served God. Or tell them how that God reached down into the pit and saved you. Stop being embarrassed about your faith. Because if you're ashamed of him... He said, then I'll have to be ashamed of you. Jesus. But also, if you're going to build a Christian home in this land, you need to trust God to build your house, which means you have to break the cycle. Break the cycle. Do the Shema and break the cycle. You got it? Break the cycle. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Joshua's purpose here is to break. You can, all, you can hear Joshua. i got to say something. Before I leave, i got to say something. Last words are important words. Anybody remember the last words of somebody? You know, I, one of them was my, my, my grandmother, my mother's mother. She died a few months before my mom went on to be with the Lord. And uh, she... Suddenly just got sick and passed. I mean, she was doing, she did great. And then suddenly just, she was just gone so fast. But she was in the hospital. And I went in to visit her in the hospital. And uh, I waved at her as I'm walking out the room. Mama, I love you. I love you, Mama. And she looked at me. And I was just waiting on her to say something back. And I said, I love you. And she said, I love you too, you little stinker. I love those. I, I, I never forgot it. I'm her little stinker. Which, whatever, maybe that don't mean anything to you, but to me, I don't want you calling me your little stinker, but my mom, that was good. Last words. Here's, here's, here's Joshua's last words. Let's break the cycle of compromise with future generations. Break the cycle. It's amazing how our children can look like us, isn't it? You ever look at your kid and say, how come this face looks so good on them, you know? And, but, but, but you'll see it. You'll see, you know, their nose or their, their mouth or their stance, you know. You, you just see it. And it's, it's amazing. Our DNA brings about a reflection of our lives in our children. It's just the way biology works. You wouldn't expect anything different when the baby's born. You look and say, I want to figure out. If it looks like me or looks like her, you know, that sort of thing. And 
Thank God my kids look like their mothers. Thank you, Jesus. But we don't just pass on our good looks. We also pass on our patterns. We pass on our behaviors. These patterns transferred from one generation to another, it places, it scars our life. It's not planned, but it's very real to our children. There are clearly negative repercussions of our sinful patterns that we, of sinful patterns that we pick up across generations. These are realities. And you know I'm telling the truth. Anybody know I'm telling the truth? Have you ever seen somebody that was a born liar? I mean, just lying. Addictions are transferred. Repetition of divorce from one generation to another. It has to stop somewhere, right? Children, listen, children are not born racist. They see the diversity of others. They mention it. They recognize it. But their patterns of racism are learned. They act on it and transfer it on. And it becomes a problem in our country that we're still fighting with today. You learn poor communication styles from your parents. You watched how your parents dealt with their struggles. It didn't work for them. What made you think it was going to work for you? You were wounded by the abandonment of your father. And now you struggle trusting you and your parents scream you, you and your parents screamed at each other and screaming is now a part of your spiritual dna you're just spouting out what you know and what you learned it's like scar tissue on your soul or a cycle of poverty. You're broke. Your family is broke. Your grandma was broke. Your grandpa was broke. Every, every generation as you look past you was broke, broke. And he broke, broke, broke. And now you look at yourself and your expectation is that you will live the same way. You're a single parent. Your grandmother was a single parent. And, and they did well. You're doing well. But this transference thing is getting old. There are people that do what they do and live how they live and act like they act because that is who they are. But these are cycles that produce built-in consequences, so these cycles must be broken. Our God is a generational God. Aren't you thankful? He teaches this in Ezekiel 18. The, the word of the Lord came to me again saying, what do you mean when you use the proverb concerning the land of Israel saying, the, father has, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. So the fathers ate sour grapes and now the children's teeth are set on edge. Okay, Ricky Jean version of that. Because daddy ate sour grapes, now my teeth are crooked. Right? I am what I am because of what my parents did wrong. Ezekiel 38. I'm not trying to put guilt on anybody. I'm just saying we got to break the cycle. Ezekiel 18 and 3. If you continue after this verse down to the third verse. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, you will no longer quote this proverb in Israel. You'll no longer will you say my teeth are crooked because of my daddy's sour grapes. For every living soul belongs to me. The Father as well as the Son, both alike belong to me. 
So it is the one who sins that shall die. So listen, hear me. You have to stop blaming mom and dad for the way you live your life. I'm not saying that they didn't transfer it. They may have transferred it. They may have illustrated it. They may have magnified it. But you are the one who is making the choice to perpetuate it. And it stops right now. It stop, I said it stops right now. Do not use a previous generation as your excuse to stay broken. What you're seeing in the world right now, in our culture, the brokenness, is that constant transference. I like to tell the story of my mother because I'm here right now because mama said it stops right now. Come on, sometimes, listen, there are people that, that when you have something transferred, then you will hang around people who bless that transference. You will, you will find somebody who will bless your brokenness. And you will live out your life with them. Now, hear what I'm saying. Sometimes you got to bless people and get on down the road. You need to get with somebody who will speak the truth to you. Jesus, help me preach this morning. You, you know this story of my mom because my mom just was raised in the most broken, brokeny, broke, broke. She was broke financially. She was broke emotionally. I know she was abused. She was her, yesterday was her birthday. So I have to talk about her today. So she's in heaven now. But when I was a boy, I never knew my mother's daddy. Never knew him. I never met him one day. But all I did know is that he was a messed up, broken, addicted man. I knew that about him. I knew how broke he was. And I learned later in life that he tried to come and see me. He tried to come to see me and my brothers. But mom stepped out on the front porch. And she said, Daddy, you can't come in this house. It wasn't that she was being mean. It just knew that she was, she was drawing a line and saying, I'm not going to let you pass on what's in your life. Now, later on before he died, she reconciled and blessed him. And we believe he prayed a prayer and gave his life to Jesus. But it wasn't until he was very old and in a nursing home. So mama stopped that in its track. You understand what I'm telling you right now? That's what she was saying. She's, she's saying, I'm telling you, I'm not stuck anymore. And I'm not going to let my next generation be impacted. So I'm, it, it hurts sometimes. Sometimes you got to rise up and say, my God is the Lord. Now listen, I'm not saying you don't love those people. And speak the truth. I'm just saying you don't let it be passed on. What you're seeing in the world right now in, in, in this culture is this brokenness. And Jesus spoke this to a, sin, a, a sick man one time who had laid for years at a pool waiting for somebody to help him get in the water. Anybody remember that story? And so he's at the pool of Bethesda and he's waiting on somebody to help him. If somebody help me, I'll get in. Now, I believe we ought to help each other. How many believe that? We ought to help each other. But Jesus went a little deeper into the man's past. 
And he looked at the man in John 5 and verse 6 and he said this. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? Do you want to get better? Or have you personalized being broken so much until now you want to start a campaign for people that are like you? You can, you can write whatever you want to into what I just said. There are people now that have a massive agenda to say, I'm broke. No, my brokenness is wholeness. No, your brokenness is not wholeness. Wholeness is wholeness. The question is, do you want to be made well? Because if you want to be made well, I know a God who can heal you. See, all this brokenness is all started with Adam. All of this generational brokenness in Romans 5 and 12. Through one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin. And thus death spread to all men because all men sin. In Romans 5, 15, for by one man's offense, many died. But now Jesus came. And in verse 16, for if by the one man's offense, many died, much more by the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. So here's the message. One man might have brought brokenness to you, but I got news. Jesus has come. And if you choose one God, if you choose him, you can break the cycle in your life. We have to live by the Spirit, Galatians 5 and 16. So I say live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the, disease of the, sin, the, 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 the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. So how do I break the cycle? Somebody shout walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. So there's so much to say here. Some of you are already living by the Spirit. Some of you are already living by a Spirit. But it wasn't the Spirit of God. I want you to stand with me right now, would you? And just open your hands and say, welcome, Holy Spirit. Would you say that? Welcome, Holy Spirit. Welcome. Say it. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Welcome. See, the Holy Spirit has come. And his job is to bring the promises of God into our lives. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit, we will break the cycle. Say it. Through the Holy Spirit, we will break the cycle. Jesus. Father, move our family forward as freedom. I know some of you are still walking in bondage that are here in this room. But you need the Holy Spirit to come by. And the next time that addiction raises its head, that attitude, say, welcome, Holy Spirit. How many, since you have been set free, how many have ever felt that old cycle try to rise back up? Anybody ever felt that? That's why in the morning, you say, the Lord is our God. The Lord is my God. The Lord is one. Then you walk in the Spirit. When that comes, it's kind of hard to live like the devil and worship Jesus at the same time. Welcome, somebody shout, welcome Holy Spirit. Shout, welcome Holy Spirit. The next time that addiction raises its head, the next time that attitude, allow the Holy Spirit to come. Use the name of Jesus to rebuke the adversary and, the, and to break the chains in your home. Listen, somebody shout authority. Shout it. 
there, is there, are there any mamas or daddies in the room right now? Anybody mamas? Okay. Any spiritual mamas and dads in the house? Okay. You have authority. You speak those things that you don't even see. You speak to them. You go ahead and say it. You say it even though that relationship seems broken right now. You just go ahead and say, look, I am talking to the Lord and I'm calling you back. I'm calling you back into the kingdom of God. You keep speaking. You say, well, they're going to get irritated. Don't listen. Don't, don't try to come in dressed like the devil. Come in dressed. Dressed like the Lord. Come in dressed like a kingdom child. Come in and see the chains broken in your home. This church is moving forward. and So many have had, have had their lives changed. But the Lord isn't finished yet. And I'm taking that old school Joshua position today. And I'm going to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Anybody saying it with me? As for me and my house, we are ser- we're going to serve the Lord. And I'm saying, make a choice today. You're going to drop these false gods Because today is your day of freedom. Father, we give you thanksgiving for your word and what you have taught us. We give you thanksgiving, Lord Jesus, for your word is true and you are alive. Come on, let's make a a declaration. The Lord, you are our God. Say it, Lord, you are our God. Say it, Lord, you are our God. And you are one. Lord, you are our God. And you are one. Now let's declare, we break the cycle in Jesus' name. We're going to pray for some of you today. In a moment, we'll have prayer workers as we're dismissing the service. But before we dismiss the service, we've made some bold statements. Let's go ahead and receive communion together. I've given you communion. As you walked in the door, the ushers offered it to you. You know, somehow... This is good. One day I want to have communion with a big meal. Anybody ever want to do that with me sometime? When we can do that, we'll just set up a bunch of food. We'll eat. And then we'll receive the communion together at the same time. But I feel like we just ate. Anybody feel like we just had a meal on the Word of God? Is there anybody that's going to say, we're going to break the cycle? Say it. We're going to break the cycle. We're going to raise the next generation to know the Lord. And to not be ashamed. Hallelujah. How many believe in Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that he died on the cross and that he rose again? Do you believe that and that he's coming again? Take this cup and take this bread. And I want you to remember the good work that he did. God in the flesh came and died for us and rose again. Jesus, the Lord. Take this bread. This bread is the body of our Lord. Take and eat it remembering him and in fellowship and communion with him. Receive it. And then take the cup. We give you thanks, Lord Jesus, for your blood that we have received, that we are in the family of God, and we worship you as we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Receive the cup. Let us all give thanks to the Lord for his good work. Lord, we give you thanks. We give you praise, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father. 
I want some altar workers to come and prepare. And you're welcome to come and pray with them as my altar workers come to meet you here. And as you come for prayer, just make sure that you are masked as you come to the altar. They will meet you here. They'll pray with you. Some of the issues that you might need prayer for, perhaps you're needing to break a cycle. Perhaps your family is struggling. We'd love to pray for you. But above all, if you need to give your life to Jesus, today is the day to give your life to Jesus. And you're welcome to come forward. Someone will meet you. We have other altar workers that can come. I have two of them here right now. But others will come and meet you here as well. Father, we give you thanks for your word and what you're doing. And we receive your blessing. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. God bless you all. I look forward to seeing you on Wednesday and Sunday. God bless you. May be dismissed in peace. If you would like prayer, we have altar workers that are standing to wait upon.